Welcome to the Old Soul, New Soul Astrology Podcast. Thomas Miller here, Robert Glasscock there. Hey, Robert. Yes? Got a question. I'm ready. Conjunctions. I've always heard that when a planet is on top of another planet, like I've got three of them, right? My little Marsen tune, that those are interpreted positively. But then I start reading and hearing people talk about that they can also be negative. Ah, so there's now I'm conflicted. Can you straighten us out? Are conjunctions positively or easily interpreted, or are they hard? They're the most important aspect in astrology, and they're both and as opposed to either or. And, you know, I, one of the things I'm loving about these podcasts that we're doing, Thomas, is we're encouraging people to start thinking like an astrologer. And you know me. In the workshops that you've been in, that I taught at Kepler, my mantra is make something out of everything you see. And, you know, when we start out in astrology, we're I think all of us are memorizing these definitions and the meanings of the signs and the meanings of the planets. And so we're memorizing those things. But at some point... You stop trying to reach back to the memory bank and pull up prefab interpretations, and you start looking at things in the chart, things that you see. It really becomes almost like being a detective. Every chart is different. Uh, So in conjunctions, basically, you've got two planets on top of each other. And a lot of people want to know, is it a hard aspect? Is it a soft aspect? Those terms really kind of came into popular cognizance when Reinhold Ebertine published Combinations of Stellar Influences. And in Cosmobiology, which is Reinhold Ebertine, a German astrologer, um, he really only uses hard aspects because, and he's right, hard aspects generally correlate to actions and events. Soft aspects, like the trines and sextiles, are states of being. The planets are in harmony with each other. Usually in a trine, for example, you have two two planets 120 degrees apart in the same element. Sometimes it's a trine across the line of sign. So trines and sextiles tend to, and yes, they are aspects for growth and opportunity and so on, but a lot of people don't take advantage of them because there's no conflict. They don't perceive any conflict. It's a state of being with soft aspects, and so everything seems to be right. So there's no reason to take any actions, whereas with squares and oppositions and conjunctions, there now not with the conjunction so much is there conflict, but certainly there is conflict between planets and square opposition. And those are hard aspects, and they are challenging. They are frustrating. And the frustration or the challenge is meant to motivate you to take action to resolve them, or an event will occur that forces you. To act. So that's a kind of thumbnail difference between hard and soft. In conjunctions, it seems simple. Two planets close together. But in fact, the conjunctions are hard aspects. And the conjunction is not so simple because we have from tradition, especially the Arabic astrologers, there are different kinds of conjunctions. Ever hear of Kazemi? Ever hear of combust? Ever hear of under the beams? Ever hear of chariot? Those are different forms of conjunctions. 
And a conjunction, obviously, you, you make something out of everything you see. It is bringing together the meanings of the two planets in a particular sign. And something else I want to point out, there can be hidden conjunctions. When you have two planets in the horoscope that are in mutual reception, meaning each planet is in the other's sign. So in my chart, I have Venus in Scorpio, which is debilitated. Venus in Scorpio is ruled by Mars and Pluto. But Mars is the old Chaldean ruler. Mars in my chart is in Venus's sign, Libra. So when you have two planets in each other's signs like that, they can be read back in the sign that they rule. So my Venus at four Scorpio can be read back at four degrees. It's at four degrees Scorpio. It can be read back at four degrees Libra. Conversely, my Mars in Libra is ruled by Venus. Mars in Libra is at 22 Libra. It can be read back in Venus's sign, Scorpio, at 22 Scorpio. Now, in my chart, my sun is at 8 degrees Libra. My Neptune is at 4 degrees Libra. And those are combust. Combust is depending on the tradition you go by, if a planet is within 12 to 15 degrees, some astrologers say 8 degrees of the sun, that it's combust. If a planet is within 1 degree of the sun, or some authorities say 16 minutes, then it's Kazemi. Now, combust, theoretically, is supposed to weaken the planet that's in conjunction with the sun. Kazemi, if it's within one degree or within 16 minutes of the sun, is considered to strengthen the planet. And you also have to consider whether a planet is applying or separating from the sun. But in my chart, when I read my Venus at 4 Scorpio back in 4 Libra, it is exactly conjunct my Neptune at birth. And I would miss that if I didn't know about mutual reception. Is this clear? It is clear, and to make it even more clear, I'm going to put the chart, your chart, and I'll put mine in too, because we'll talk about mine as well, but they'll be in the show notes so people can download. Great. It is clear, and I've got a bunch of questions we'll get to, but, but this is great stuff. But yes, we get the idea that within that, whatever that orb is, that it is supposed to diminish the characteristics of that planet. Unless it's Kazemi, which is considered to strengthen the planet that's that's now these are old old traditions but nonetheless um if you just think like an astrologer look at it and think about it don't try and memorize definition i mean we do but you get to a point where you don't have to sit there and try and call something up from a data bank you can look and see so that if you have a planet um say Within 12 to 15 degrees of the sun, on either side of it, it's combust. And it's considered, if it's applying to the sun, look at it and think about what you're seeing. If a planet is applying to the sun within 12 degrees or 15 degrees, it's closing in on the sun. And it's gradually considered to be surrendering its power to the light of the sun. 
Conversely, if it's a separating aspect, it's considered to strengthen. So, so in my chart, for example, think about it, picture it. I have my sun at eight degrees Libra. I have Neptune at four degrees Libra. When I was born, the sun had moved past its conjunction with Neptune just four days before I was born. So my sun is at eight degrees. Here we are. The sun's at eight degrees Libra. Neptune's at four degrees Libra. So when I was born, my sun is basically the the light of the Neptune archetype. So I come from outer space. I come from basically the farthest planet before Pluto. That's where my soul comes from, archetypally, metaphysically, if you will. So uh, my son, my consciousness, my soul, my ego embodies all that Neptune involves, good and bad. So when you ask, is this a good conjunction or a bad conjunction? It's both, both and, not either or. And we all know that I come from this long line of alcoholics. Well, that's Neptune. That's Neptune's archetype at its most immature, if you will. The highest parts of Neptune are the spiritual parts, the metaphysical parts, the non-physical perceptions in life. So in a very simple way, you can read, oh, well, this guy has a vivid imagination. But this vivid imagination is because of my conscious connection with all that is non-physical. So naturally, I'm going to be interested as I grow up in things like metaphysics and spirituality and religion and the arts and music and acting and all of those things that I've been involved with. So you can graphically see these conjunctions in a chart and, and start thinking about them. And this is a difference than if my son had been at two degrees Libra. If it were at two degrees Libra, the sun would be applying to the conjunction with Neptune. And think about it. Just think about what you're seeing and make something out of everything you see. If the sun at two degrees Libra applying to the conjunction with Neptune, that's an aspect, a cycle of completion. The sun is now about to complete symbolically a conjunction with the sun and start a new cycle. But the new cycle hasn't started yet because my sun would be at two degrees Libra. So in this life, I would be consciously moving toward a conjunction with Neptune. Frankly, I think that's harder because the function of Neptune is basically to dissolve everything and make you aware of what lies beyond the what you are given at birth, what lies beyond your physical body, what lies beyond the things that, that your parents are teaching you, what lies beyond what you see in the physical world. When it, the sun is separating from Neptune, then you've already passed, it, it symbolically already passed over everything that Neptune symbolizes, and now you are consciously embodied. You're not you're starting a new Neptune cycle, if you will, but you're bringing with you all of the Neptunian experiences that your soul has gone through, in essence, and you are meant to actualize them, realize them, shine light on them. 
with the sun applying to Neptune, it's much more problematic because the, the light of consciousness, your soul, is now symbolically closing an existential cycle involving everything that Neptune represents. So if, if the sun were applying to this Neptune in my chart, I would be much more inclined to go under to things like alcoholism or telling lies, telling lies to myself, for example. It would be an ending cycle if the sun were applying to the conjunction with Neptune. It's not that it's bad, but it's more problematic than this, because with the sun separating from Neptune, I am born to carry Neptune's message, if you will, into my life and present it to the world through the ninth house of higher thought, communications, screenwriting, book writing, astrology, teaching, and on and on. And before we move on, I want to go back to this mutual reception, because the, here, if you look at my chart, the only conjunction I have is the Sun-Neptune conjunction, but that's not true. I have a hidden conjunction. My Venus is over in the 10th house in Scorpio, which is ruled by Mars. Mars is in the, the 10th house in Libra. So Venus and Mars are in each other's signs, and they can be read back in the signs that each of them rules, retaining their birth degree. So I can read Venus not only at 4 Scorpio, where it was at my birth, but I can read it at 4 Libra. And when I do, suddenly... I have a hidden conjunction with Neptune and Venus. And boy, does that describe my life. Yeah, spot on, four degrees. Yeah. And can you exactly. also move Mars to 22 Scorpio? You, yes, exactly. You can move Mars to 22 Scorpio. And when you do that, then you have a sextile between Mars and Mercury. Exactly. A hidden sextile because of mutual reception. So always be on the lookout for that in horoscopes. Okay, great. Because it, Excellent. It, it, what it does in real life, it always provides you with a hidden way out of any trouble you get into or any problems that you face. It's a hidden way out, and you don't know about it unless you consult an astrologer or you're an astrologer yourself. And it, it makes perfect sense to me when I first learned about this. The idea that, oh my gosh, Venus can also be read at four, score, four Libra, in which case... It's actually conjunct Neptune and conjunct my sun by four degrees, which suddenly brings Venus in my chart. And I've had to learn this in my life. Venus by birth is debilitated in Scorpio. But in mutual reception, I would never have known about this if I hadn't become an astrologer. In mutual reception, it turns out to be a glorious Venus. Conjunct Neptune and conjunct my sun in Libra. Wonderful. So it can go both ways. You yes, choose. Sir. Yeah, you choose how you're going to live it. Yeah. Let's hop over here to my chart for just a quick second. And from the standpoint that what I'd like to do is ask you about a couple of things that others might find in their chart. And I am kind of the Zen master of um, planets stacked on top of each other. Because, I mean, look, who is born three and a half hours from Halloween with 666 in Scorpio, <laughs> but me. <laughs> but look at it. We were just talking about this. Neptune here is Kazemi, and, and the sun is separating. So everything you were just mentioning. But Mars is not Kazemi because well, it's— Well, it is according to some 
You know, well, it can be within one degree of the sun. Some authorities say 16 minutes. 16 minutes is what I'm but going But within by. one degree, I would consider it Kazemi myself. But let me tell you something right here, right now. That Mars is alive and well. <laughs> and remember, Neptune, I asked Jesus into my heart at three years yes. old. Yes. But yes. I've always felt that I didn't have a moon. I'm like, where's my moon? Oh, it's at 25 Libra. I don't have a moon. I am not a balanced person. I don't need balance in my life. In fact, balance in my life would drive me nuts. <laughs> wouldn't Also wouldn't get us doing three podcasts. So I don't know. People might have something like this where they might also look at. I would ask myself, are those conjunctions hard or are they yes. easy? No, they're not easy. Well, they your haven't moon, been. Your moon is combust. Yeah, it Depending is. Depending on the authority, it's between 12 to 15 degrees of the sun. I think it's a pile of ashes, to be and honest some with of, you. Some authorities <laughs> say within 8 degrees of the sun, it's, it's a little yeah, tighter. But your it's moon not is combust. combust. It's, it's toast. And, and your moon is behind the sun in the zodiac. So your moon, and of course, it's the fastest moving of the archetypes, your moon is behind not only your sun, but your Neptune-Mars conjunction, and all basically Kazemi. So your moon is closing in on a cycle. It's ending a lunar cycle in terms of your soul. And it's in Libra, but it's applying to, now it's across the line of science, certainly within, uh, within orb of a conjunction with Mars, and a conjunction with Neptune and a conjunction with your sun. So your moon is under the beams. It's within 17 degrees of a conjunction with the sun, and it's applying. And under the beams is considered to weaken the planet. I don't know if I agree with that. I certainly can uh, on a superficial look, and you can too at your life, because the moon rules women. It's in Libra of marriage. So you can consider that the moon in Libra of marriage and ruling women applying under the beams to these conjunctions with Scorpio, your transformation in this life will be learned through your moon in Libra, through marriage. So you have been married, you have children, you were married again. And each time you're learning about what that moon and what marriage means in your life. And just as you uh, were what swore your soul to Jesus at three, you were certainly desirous of being married to the point where you've been married twice. And neither marriage lasted, which is Scorpio, the old death and rebirth symbolism. So it doesn't mean a literal death of you or a literal death of the wives, but it does mean a figurative death of the whole archetype of being married versus an archetype of being a solitaire, which is Scorpio and Neptune. Do you see what I'm saying? So through the experiences of marriage that you had, and even through your being wedded to Jesus at age three, Scorpio is about death and rebirth cycles. It's all figurative for the most part. Someday you will die and then it'll be literal, but it's figurative. So it's not that you have forsaken Jesus or Christianity so much 
as on a deeper level, Sun conjunct Neptune and Mars conjunct the Sun and Neptune, you have outgrown the archetype of Jesus and have engaged in a larger archetype that embraces not only all religions, but goes beyond religions into true spirituality. And that is that God, or the all that is, is not a Christian or a Jew or a Muslim or a Hindu or anything else. God embraces all of that. These are man-made stories about God. And that's different from experiencing God directly, which is what your life is about. Does any of this make sense to you? It does, and I want to make sure that people listening could look at this. If they have something similar between what you have and what I have that they could take away from this, So I guess the thing that we're boiling this down to is, are we saying tend to look at conjunctions as hard? I think that they are. In terms of what Reinhold Ebertin suggests, actions and events, Uh, there's certainly, it's the most powerful aspect we have in astrology. They're certainly different from states of being, soft aspects like trines and sextiles. They're not easy, depending on the archetype. Uh, For example, a conjunction with Venus is probably going to be largely pleasant, although there can be tendencies toward overindulgence and so on. But then you get into archetypes like Neptune, which you and I both share. That's not an easy aspect, except it's enriching if, if you're smart. And if you think, and if you're receptive to this, Neptune rules spirituality. I was going to say, let me just interject here, because the point that you're saying is, I got really clear on this. Now, remember, 2009 is when I first started looking at astrology, and I wanted to understand. When I finally saw this, I thought, wow, this is amazing. I better figure this out. And it took about literally a dozen years for me to really get comfortable. But when I finally merged these three together as one energy, the whole thing started to make sense because they are. They're all at the same degree. So once I went through the conflict, Mars, of this path that I was supposed to trod, then the whole thing flipped beginning in 2009, and the spiritual aspect of that Neptune really started to show through. And now look at how powerfully that's coming through. So to me, getting on the high timeline side of these three three planets really caused them to become easy and to blossom. Now, yes, people have a hard time being around me sometimes because I'm so damn intense, but that's the Mars sun that I probably will kill me at some point. But <laughs> but but at least I'd rather burn out than rust out. Something else that you just said that's fascinating. You said it took about 12 years, right? I think it'd be about right. The moon is at 25 Libra, add 12, and you get six degrees Scorpio. Mm, look at that. I do have a moon. I do have a moon. <laughs> you do have a moon. Well, you certainly do. I have a figure on the chart. You know, you, you have a mother. You have a sister. No, no sisters. Uh, I thought you did. Okay. No. You have a mother. You've had two wives. You've had maybe some other girlfriends in your life. So you certainly do have a moon. Well, you but know what? A- that and, and that you mentioned that. I think that that lesson that I'm supposed to learn, there are two lessons that I still have out there. And one of them is the whole relationship thing. And I don't feel complete with that. Well, we both also share Saturn in the seventh house. 
which is not not now it's accidentally dignified in the seventh house because it's in the house of libra which is the sign of saturn's exaltation so it's accidentally dignified there but it's not easy for marriage yeah and in fact i it took me forever i really was it was close to about 50 to realize you know bob the truth about you is you are a solitaire by nature and it turns out thomas that throughout history a lot of metaphysicians and astrologers and psychics and so on turn out to be single. And I can understand why. Marriage takes at least 50% of your energy, your love, your consideration for the other person, your time, your caring, all of that. And in some ways, metaphysics is so powerful if in a chart like you have with the sun conjunct neptune or like i have with sun conjunct neptune that it becomes the primary interest if you're honest so they're fascinating links between these archetypes that go back to antiquity yeah it truly is great topic thank you for shining the light on this and for giving us a lot to think about and we're going to have another great launch here very soon. It's going to be a new website. We'll be telling you about it here. It also will be on my other podcasts. But if you are in tune with what's going on in real time, we have something exciting for you just in time for the holidays. We'll be telling you about it early next week. Thanks so much for listening. Show notes are the reservoir of everything else you need to know about the podcast. We'll see you next time on the Old Soul, New Soul Astrology Podcast with Robert Glasscock. Glasscock.